Welcome to the Independent Oxford podcast sponsored by Story94. I'm Rosie, and along with my indie partner Anna, we run Independent Oxford, which is a community that supports and champions independent businesses in Oxfordshire. In this series, I'll be guiding you through some of Oxfordshire's best indie journeys and adventures, and I hope you'll join me for the ride. Today on the Independent Oxford podcast, we have Ashley from the Wonky Food Company. Hi, Ashley. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Yes, it's very exciting to actually go out somewhere else that's not my <laughs> my house or my little office. It's very professional, office. isn't it? Yeah. Being here in the Story 94 podcast studio in Oxford. Um, cool. Awesome. So let's... Um, Let's get stuck in. Um, so just tell us a bit about yourself and your background to start with. Okay. Well, um, my background is actually in journalism and broadcasting going back about 25 years <laughs> now, which makes me feel very old, more than 25 years, actually, if I'm honest. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I worked, um, first of all, in, in radio. So it's actually very nice to be back in a, a yeah, studio yeah. of sorts, which is great. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not sure about that. It's been a long time, um, but familiar. It's familiar in a very you know, nice, nostalgic way. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I, I did my training at the BBC. Um, I also worked um, at Sky Television. Um, and way, way back in the day, I actually worked on a local TV station here in Oxford as well. Um, so, so yeah, so quite a, a different, a different background. Um, but one of my, you know, part of that sort of journalism career, um, a more recent role was interviewing, um, entrepreneurs and founders of some of the UK's uh, most successful businesses. And I think, well, I know that that sort of inspired my own entrepreneurial ambitions. Yeah. Um, and, you know, along along that journey as well, I had previously um, started and built and, and sold a, a business before, which I think had given me the the bug. And I think once you set on that yeah. entrepreneurial route, once you've, you've done something for yourself like that, it's quite quite hard to go back to a, a, yeah, a nine totally. to five and working for somebody else. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I've had quite an eclectic <laughs> career. I've worked, you know, worked and lived abroad as well in Central America and Ireland for a good few years. Um, uh, so yeah, done quite a few things. But um, I think a lot of those threads of the things that I've done have now sort of tied together. Yeah. Um, to do to do wonky. Yeah. So tell us about wonky and how that kind of started and and what was the kind of vision behind it. Well, as I said, I've always I've always had this entrepreneurial bug. I think I always knew I had to sort of work. For myself um, and I'd also for a very long time be, been very interested in the whole impact space as well um, so actually part of that previous experience I I lived and worked in Costa Rica for a while and um, as a journalist uh, but reporting on the whole explosion in uh, ecotourism mm -hmm. so Costa okay. Rica actually invented the term ecotourism and it was all happening while I was there. And it was just so inspiring seeing people setting up initiatives, ventures, businesses, but all very much with environmental impact yeah. at the core. Yeah. And that for me really struck me as something different and something exciting. Mm -hmm. I think um, seeing business as a, a potential force for good when yeah. it came to the planet and, and society. Country, isn't it? like, oh, it's, it's they, phenomenal. They, they like kind of taken all the money out of their armed forces and put it yeah. into... Yep. sustainability it's yep. incredible and they were um they i think were the first country to nationalize their their public parks or their public spaces um i mean it's a country the size of scotland 
Um, but, you know, in one day, the, 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 you can travel up a mountain and yeah. be freezing cold and then the next minute be on a you know, Pacific beach. It's just <laughs> extraordinary and very beautiful. And I feel very lucky and privileged to have, um, to have lived and, and worked there a bit for quite a short time. But yeah. I think that really stuck with me, that idea yeah. that you can create a business that can create good, mm. that can create positive social environmental impact. Um, and... So wonky. So my brother and I, um, I have a younger brother, um, and we had what we called our beer storming sessions. We'd frequently get together (laughs) in the pub trying to come up with that, you know, the next big thing. The great, yeah. So let's have a beer storming session, (laughs) John. Um, And, you know, those went on for years and we came up with the most ridiculous ideas, you know, (laughs) most of which we knew would never, you know, um, be commercially viable. Um, But then one day, and we were actually on holiday, we went, um, he took me off to Barcelona for my 40th birthday. And um, we had a particularly productive beer storming session. And that's where we had this idea about wonky, wonky fruit, as we called it then. Yeah. Born of John's experience, actually, of travelling around the world, and he was a, a, um, a fruit picker in New Zealand for a while, picking mm-hmm. kiwis um, and having to throw sort of you know one in every three on the ground, and was horrified. He was horrified at that, and it stuck with him. And he thought, "There's got to be a way of kind of using this you yeah. know, fruit and veg that gets discarded." Anyway, so that was the that was the beginning of um, of wonky fruit, as it was then called. And so he had the kind of entrepreneurial bug as well. That it was yeah. in him as well that he yeah. used to do something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a sister as well who thinks we're absolutely barking <laughs> mad for wanting to do things like this. So uh, we did ask her if she wanted to join us, which was like, no, thank you. <laughs> I'll stick to my sensible job. Thank you very much. Cheer you on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that was. But um, I have to say, there was quite a long gap between coming up with the original idea okay. and then executing it. Actually, yeah. you know, getting to market. Um, so we actually launched the business as the Wonky Food Company um, in 2018 um, when we launched into the co-op, which is our, our first customer. Yeah, brilliant. So what, so what was the, why, why did it take you so long? Like, what, Was it kind of just the, the kind of fear of launching or time or money or combination? Combination of mm. all of those. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think my the biggest lesson learned for me so far in business is that everything takes so much longer than yeah. you think it's going yeah. to take. Mm-hmm. Um, never underestimate the amount of time it takes to do something, to do something well as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it has to be said, I'm, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, a little bit of a control freak, which, you know, can be a good thing yeah. in business, but it can sometimes hold you back as well. And I think sometimes you just need to get out there and do it, you yeah. know, just do it. Yeah. Um, and that's something I think I've got better at and learned. To, and it's okay to go out and make mistakes because you just correct them, you move on, you get better. Yeah. Um, and those are the things that kind of build the business and build your confidence in it. Exactly. Um, it's really interesting. I had um, a conversation with um, two other Independent Oxford members yesterday, Amy Sermon and Cassandra Smith, um, who runs the Oxford Weaving Studio. And they said exactly that, 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 you know, there's no point having a load of products where you're kind of perfecting the copy or perfecting the photos if they're just on your laptop and, and they're not out there. They're not on Etsy. They're not on your web store or wherever. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's... that's yeah, really and there's good. no perfect time to launch your business. You know, there's always going to be things that you haven't quite got ready yet. And I have to say, for us, a really important catalyst was joining a local accelerator in mm. Oxford. Um, because that meant that we, you know, we suddenly had deadlines. We were suddenly accountable. We were working with a peer group of other, you know, new business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, and we had to, 
we had to articulate exactly what our ideas were and how we were going to turn that into a business. And, you know, in a very kind of safe, supportive space, we, you know, basically pulled our business idea apart and then put it back together again. Um, and that was a really useful thing to do. I think as soon as you start talking about, you know, I think everybody, you know, so many of us have great ideas. Yeah. Um but we just keep them inside, keep them in our heads and, and don't really do anything with yeah. them, which I think is a great tragedy. Mm -hmm. um, so I think suddenly being in a room full of other motivated people um, and having on a weekly basis to talk about, right, what have you done since last week? How have you moved things forward? Um, having those clear goals and objectives and challenges that you set yourself was was really empowering and so helped us to actually accountability yeah, to, yeah yeah absolutely stop talking about it mm. get on and, and do it yeah um, and you know to be honest as well about where the flaws are in your in your business plan um, and you know what needs to be stronger where are the gaps you know where do you need to bring other skills and you know, we discovered really on you know John and I have you know some great skill sets between us. But massive flaw in our business plan was that we couldn't cook. So here we were launching a food business because um, I, I don't think I've set but the, the basic premise. So we, we make products out of imperfect and surplus fruit and veg that would otherwise fall out of the food chain. Um, so rather than selling on just the actual raw fruit and veg, we turn those into other products. So our launch range is a range of relishes and then we've got various other products that we're working on at the moment. But yeah, so whereas we had the concept, we thought actually we need to be able to, it's all very well having a, a concept and we knew that people would be really attracted to the idea of helping to tackle food waste. Um, but, you know, the products have to taste good, yeah. <laughs> otherwise they're not yeah. going to come back and <laughs> buy them a second time. So that's when we brought on our um, our other business partner, Laura, who joined us, who is a very, very talented chef and caterer, and uh, she came up with all the recipes. So, And created some delicious products. Well, I, I think so. They are. I think I mean, so. They're, they're great. And like every time we have them in the Indioxin marketplace, they always fly off because people are like, oh, great. Monkey's back here. So, yeah. And yes. what we've tried to do is um, you know, create them as everyday ingredients as well. I mean, the whole thing is that we're about preventing food waste. We don't want people to buy a relish that gets stuck at the back of the cupboard and only gets brought out at Christmas and then goes past its expiry date and gets yeah. binned at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, we're trying to show how you can use them. You know, you can use them in stir fries and sauces and make dressings and marinades out of them and use them as sort of useful everyday ingredients because I think you know, it's, it's also worth just reminding I think I, there's much more awareness now around food waste than there was um, you know three four years ago when we first started um, but I think it's always worth repeating you know the stats that 40% of all fruit and veg grown in the UK never makes it to the shop shelf and a third of all food produced globally is wasted. So that was the original motivation mm. behind setting up the business. Yes, we, you know, my brother and I are entre entrepreneurial and we're really excited about running a business, but we also genuinely want to tackle what is a horrendous problem around the world. Yeah, so sustainability is really kind of at the root of yes everything about monkey and yeah absolutely and, yeah, yeah. um and we've actually I mentioned the accelerator that we were part of at the very beginning of the, our journey, but um, we've now just been on, accepted onto another accelerator as we Amazing. start to try and grow the business. Um, and that's a, a, a very specific uh, program all around, all around um, increasing your impact and mm -hmm. being able to really account for the impact that you're creating as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of greenwash around yeah. now and people making sort of spurious claims about how they're helping save the planet or 
helping the community or, or um, you know, helping to tackle social problems. And, you know, we want to make sure we're doing things properly. And, you know, we know we still have a lot to learn as well. So, yeah, we've been we're part of this really exciting community of food and drink um, entrepreneurs who are all trying to tackle various issues and, and problems. So, so it's really kind of embedding. Yeah that in every element of the business from kind of your banking to marketing exactly because that's the thing it's not just about the end product or service that you're providing it's how you run the business it's how you treat your employees um exactly it's the insurance company that you use it's the Mm -hmm. bank that you bank with it's looking at your whole supply chain and really scrutinizing that and and thinking could we do better could the people we work with do better and hopefully being an influence on on those that you work with Um, you know I was having a chat with our you know we outsource our manufacturing and I was having a chat with our manufacturer yesterday realizing that I didn't know all about the processes that they have as part of Mm -hmm. their manufacturing facility and I was having to ask lots of questions um, about their um, policies and, and processes and to make sure that they were yeah, sustainable and mindful and yeah. environmentally sound. Um, so it's a yeah, it's a it, and, it's, and that's tough. It's tough holding yourself that's to those okay. standards. And I'm you know I won't sit here and say we've got everything right. You know yeah. we're, we're still having to find the flaws in our own business practice and yeah. business plans and make sure that we we do better. So when you have those conversations, are they receptive? Like is is your manufacturer kind of receptive to change and and making sure that they're kind of adhering to? Absolutely. I think, um, and again, I think that's something that's changing now. Um, I think, you know, people used to see it as a bit of a stick to be beaten with, but they understand now that it's so important that you you have to be as as sustainable as possible. It's not just a nice to have, it's a need to have now. And I think even in pure commercial terms, you know, if you're if you're a business looking to get investment to grow um you know when it comes to that due diligence from an investor these are the questions that they they ask it's not just about your balance sheet it's it's that um you know it's it's people and profit it's not just about the profit anymore and that's becoming embedded in all business now it's really interesting isn't it how much it's changing and you've got these massive um kind of investment companies like Blackstone, mm. who are, you know, huge, you know, have invested in awful things in the past. And yet now they are telling all of their businesses that they must be reporting on their kind of environmental and social impact as well, which is which is great. Which is great. But I think that's that's been but I think that has been driven by customers and the consumer. You know, that's not just sort of Blackstone out the good of their heart sort of changing it. So they they realise that that is the direction of travel yeah. for for society and and you know we as consumers are demanding that um, those ethical standards and that transparency in our supply chains and I do think COVID has has accelerated all of that as well I mean especially when it comes to you know food and drink drink the sector that that, that we're in um, people suddenly saw the massive flaws in these complicated global supply chains of of food delivery and suddenly people were dependent on their local grocers and the local um, farmers to deliver the eggs to their door and you know that they found ways of, of sourcing amazing kind of local food that you know pre-pandemic a lot of people weren't aware of they were Which, there yeah not but, tuned into yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah and I think you're right it really shows that um, you know that we all can kind of vote with our purses mm. and and you know make, make a difference and um, yeah, that you know, we we all count. You know how how we shop is important. You know, if we 
if we look look for kind of local produce and, and support indies, you know, it does it does make a difference. Mm. I think on an individual, yeah, we feel like we're fairly powerless and the way we spend our money doesn't make much of a difference, but no, it absolutely does. And collectively and over time as yeah. well, yeah. Um, when those buying patterns shift, yeah. then that's what changes, you know, the the high street and changes the, you know, the suppliers and changes buying habits and um, changes that whole business ecosystem. Yeah. No, it's really interesting. And, um, you know, what you're saying about greenwashing, that businesses are kind of really thinking about how does this go through all of, you know, all elements of my business. Um, and, and in terms of Oxfordshire, what what do you, how do you see the kind of business landscape? Do you think that, you know, there are, there are more businesses that are thinking about their, their impact? Definitely. And, um, yeah, I, I, I should probably mention that. I mean, I'm involved in... Full disclosure. In, yeah, full <laughs> disclosure. So, you know, um, I, I, as well as working on Wonky, I work with you, Rosie, on a fantastic <laughs> programme called the Escalate programme, which is a publicly funded, European funded, three-year enterprise support programme. And it's all about doing exactly that. It's supporting all the businesses in Oxfordshire who are wanting to increase their social and environmental impact. But what's really interesting, and you've seen this as well, are the two audiences that we have. So, you know, we're working with social enterprises, charities and um, purposeful businesses. And, you know, I'd include Wonky in that latter category and, and you know, working with those businesses to help them be more impactful. Yeah. But then at the other end you know we're working with very mainstream commercially driven businesses who want to change who want to um, be more purposeful and create more impact and realize it's not enough just to be you know counting the pennies that they actually they want to reach out and help their local communities they want to do good with their with their with their business so it's yeah showing those businesses how to be more impactful and actually working with the social enterprises to help them be a bit more commercial so that they can scale their businesses so they can create more impact so they can reach more people um, you know, with the um, products and services that they provide. Yeah. Um, so yes, I'm really, and, and it's you know, we we've been flooded with interest from from businesses. And again, I think COVID has has you know has has caused that. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, there was a, um, a really exciting community of you know socially environmentally committed businesses in Oxfordshire long before the pandemic struck. But I think. It's made all business rethink how they operate and realise that we can't go back to business as usual, um, that things have to change. And actually, in the case of, of a lot of indies, they they are they just are a purposeful business, mm. but they might not recognise that they are. Um, and sometimes it's just thinking about or getting businesses to actually think, yes, I mean, that is that is a core value to my business. And um, that's really important to me. So just going going back to that idea of a purposeful business, like how would you how would you describe that? What kind of examples do you see around Oxfordshire? Apart from Wonky, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some I mean there's there's some extraordinary businesses um out there. Um I mean I'm part of a I have to do a little shout out to my little group of um female owned businesses. I'm part of a very informal um network we get together every every couple of months or so not as much as we we'd like um so we're all all women all run our own businesses and um i think almost without exception we're all trying to 
make a bit of a difference with our businesses as well. So um, that's working with you know, people like the Curiosity Box, Renee from the Curiosity Box, you know, helping kids get into science and, and STEM subjects. Um, there's Sarah from You Underwear. Um, but no, I'm, I'm really inspired by some of the businesses and actually on the Escalate programme, you know, we work with some great partner mm. businesses as well. So Tap Social is a, a business I've long admired yeah. and... Clearly, you know, hospitality sector has taken a real beating over the last year, but they're expanding. You know, they've just opened a second venue, the, the White House. And and that's great to see as well that people, mm. um, even when it comes to going out and having a pint and socialising with their mates, they they want to go to places where they they can read the, where the story behind that, that venue resonates with them. Yeah, no, it's it, it's I think it's it's amazing. And I think just going back to your point about the the pandemic that it's it's kind of given businesses time to think about that that bigger picture and working on their business as well as just that kind of day-to-day getting through um so you know it's definitely been a kind of silver lining i suppose of, of the last year um so i'm just thinking <laughs> the next question was who who's inspired you but i feel i feel like we've covered that. <laughs> <laughs> gosh and yeah and it's you know i think you can I think that's one of the, you've got to continue to be inspired as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I had I had many sort of early inspirations. In fact, um, Anita Roddick was somebody that I always liked to name check. Um, I actually grew up just down the road from the very first body shop in Brighton. Um, and I can remember from a really young age, you know, going into body shops and there were quite a few near us because, you know, that's where they started. Um, and just... Being, a, it was the first place I think where I was aware of that kind of conscious consumerism. Mm. You know that that overt message that where you spend your money yeah. can make a difference somewhere yeah. else, and that difference can be good or bad depending yeah. on how you spend your money. And um, and that really struck me from an early age, as well as the fact that she was a female entrepreneur, and there weren't mm. too many you know public figures yeah. who were female entrepreneurs. Um, and also that she openly, you know, she was a wife and a mother and she openly talked about that as well as her passion for her, her business. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think so in many ways she was a real a real role model. Um, you know, sadly died far too young. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's important when, because, you know, it, running a business is really tough yeah. as well. Um, and there are many, many ups and downs. So if you can't continue to be inspired, it's mm. it can be quite difficult um yeah. you know so to keep to be able to maintain that that drive and passion for what you do it's important to surround yourself with other people who you find inspiring and motivating yeah, yeah absolutely and having people around you that are kind of cheering you on mm. and and saying yes you are doing a good thing <laughs> you know keep going um no it's it's really important so um so yeah so yeah running a business is is definitely uh, really really tough um so what what does your kind of like what does a wonky day look like for you at the moment? What do you... Oh, I, mean, gosh. I know you've got lots of hats and lots of things. <laughs> <that you do. laughs> yes. So, I mean, there, there genuinely is no typical day for me, which actually I find quite challenging. I don't boast about that. You know, I'm somebody actually who feeds off routine and, and structure. And I think actually, again, a result of this last year, there's been all too little structure and routine for many of us. Um and I think that I, I personally find that really tough. I, yeah. I felt like I've had days and weeks just slipping through my fingers. 
Um, so I'm looking forward now to actually trying to get a bit more routine and structure back to my day. Um, but um, there is there is no typical day, but um, you know we have we have a little office, a little wonky office now, just on the edge of the Blenheim estate. Um, and actually, we're getting a bit of work done to the office today, so I'm very excited to make it more, you know, useful, fit for purpose space for us. Um, but we were all in there yesterday. You know, we kicked off the week on a Monday with a, a big brainstorm, a lot of whiteboarding, and very, very, very long to do list. Um, but that's, you know, that that's exciting, and I like being able to, you know, get a team back together again. There's, you know, remote working, you know, is going to revolutionise working for many of us and it brings huge advantages mm. but 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 I you know I miss being in a room with other people and having that proper bouncing off of ideas and suggestions and feedback that you just with the best will in the world you can't do on a zoom call it's just not the same um, so I'm hoping now that my typical days are going to be more of a balance mm. um, as we edge towards you know coming out of lockdown are going to be a balance between you know, keeping hold of some of that flexibility that I've been able to enjoy during lockdown. You know, I have a young family, um, you know, being able to do the school runs, which mm. I couldn't always do before. Um, I want to be able to keep hold of those bits, but balance it with, you know, being able to go into the office, um, having sort of regular team meetings. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's hopefully I'll get a bit more yeah, of that, that balance going I, I forward. I can't wait until we can have more indie ops and meetups in person again i think yeah that that kind of meeting up with people and sitting down having a coffee you just can't replicate it on zoom you know zoom definitely has its place and it's been great to kind of stay connected but it's just not the same as as being in a room with somebody and just having a chat um yeah and all all of that kind of like innovation and imagination i think um you know you need you need that kind of yeah to be to be in a room with somebody to get that creativity definitely so what, so bearing, bearing that in mind, actually, what's the one thing that you wish you'd known when you, when you started? Obviously, you've kind of, this is your, this is your second entrepreneurial journey, isn't it? So I imagine that you kind of had, you kind of came into this with your eyes open, probably more than a lot of people. But are there things that you just think, God, I just, I just didn't know that, or I wish I'd known that when I started? I think I probably already referenced it, but just the time that things take. Um, I think I'm quite good at knowing, you know, the bits of the puzzle, the things that need to be done. But I, I always underestimate quite how much hard work and time goes into all of those. Um, so, yes, having a great marketing strategy. I know what a good marketing strategy looks like. Mm. I know all of the elements. But when you break that down and the hours that that takes to keep on top of your Instagram feeds and your Facebook page and writing your newsletter and, you know, keeping on top of your mailing list and all the rest of it, that's that's a whole other thing to actually be able to execute yeah. that. Um, so, yeah, and I think it's just realising that there are only so many hours in the day as well. Um, you know, I'm one of those people, I always start my week, you know, always really motivated and I make my lists. I'm famous for my list making and, you know, Trello has transformed my life now. Yeah. <laughs> to have multiple lists at the same time. Um, but they're not, they're very rarely realistic lists. Mm. So it's that I'm always disappointing myself by not being able to achieve what I want to achieve. And that's that's still a, a hard, painful lesson mm. 
that I'm I'm learning um, mm. to be realistic about what you can actually achieve. Yes. And it's better probably to do fewer things and do them really well than trying to spread yourself too thinly. Mm. Um, so as a business, we're going through that process now of figuring out, look, what as a team are we really good at? What are our core skills and strengths? Um, and let's be honest about the things that we're either not very good at or for whatever reason, just getting shoved under the carpet and we're not doing. And if we don't want to do them or we can't do them, then we've got to find some other people who can. Um, and that's tricky as, you know, we still consider ourselves a startup, yeah. you know, um, financing that growth is it's is going to be our biggest challenge. The balance between time yeah. and money is always, yeah. Yeah, you want to do everything yourself because you don't want to spend loads of money that you could keep in the business and keep reinvesting in the business. Um, but I think you reach a point where you, you have to bring on additional expertise. Mm, yeah. So that's that's kind of where we're at yeah. at the moment. And that startup journey as well is all about kind of experimenting and finding and finding what you're good at as well. So you just kind of, sometimes you just have to do things that you may not feel comfortable with or whatever and actually end up thinking, oh, okay, this is something that we can we can do. And it's, it's part of our our kind of skill set or whatever so and you know that's part of the fun of being mm. you know a startup right that yeah. you get to do a bit of everything yeah. you know um and you get to try all those different elements of the business and my you know my advice to you know anybody starting a business is make sure you kind of learn how to do everything so yeah. you know eventually you may well outsource your marketing you may well outsource your you know the finance element of your your business but don't do that until you understand at least the basics mm. of, of what's going on in those various elements of the business. You need to have that that knowledge. Um, but I think, you know, as you then move from a startup to, you know, you grow up as a business and hopefully that's sort of where we're at at the moment, mm. then you just need to have that honest sanity check about, mm. you know, where your strengths lie and, um, and start to focus on the bits that you're really good at. Yeah. Um, and... And identify those gaps and make sure you can bring in bring in the people to help support you. And in and in terms of kind of, you know, being a team, do you do you find that that kind of helps you um yeah, stay on track and, and help each other in terms of um dealing with problems and moving forwards? So. Yeah, so I mean, obviously I, you know, I'm I started a business with my brother, so there is that relationship there already. Um and that, you know, we have to we have to negotiate that sometimes. You know, I have to remember sometimes when he's my brother and sometimes when he's my business partner. <laughs> and, you know, there are moments where those <laughs> we find ourselves squabbling, you know, like little kids in the office. And that's when Laura has to tell us off and <laughs> remind us to be nice. Otherwise there'll be time out on the naughty step. Um so but yeah, as a team, I mean that's you know, you and, and Laura is a, f a friend of mine. She was a friend before she was a, a, a colleague. So these are all, I'm not sure I'm answering your question here, but they're all challenges of, of, of you know, being part of a, of a team, negotiating those relationships. Um, but I think, you know, I think we do, mm. we do pretty well. Um, yeah. And I think it's that understanding as well that um, it's okay to challenge each other as well, that we don't have to agree with each other all the time. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, having that confidence to challenge each other, but then know when you leave the office, you shut the door at the end of the day, um, you can leave certain things behind mm. as well. Yeah. And I think that's that's the kind of beauty of co-founding a business as well, is that it's it's so important to kind of surround yourself with a network of people that are supporting you. But to have that 
in your in your business as well that you're kind of interrogating each other giving giving each other a reality check is really important as well yeah and I think in an echo chamber yeah and it's having that accountability to each other as Mm. well because you know if you if you don't do what you say you're going to do you're not going to just disappoint yourself you're going to let down other people in your team so I do think it helps you be more motivated I mean I don't get me wrong I know a lot of solo entrepreneurs who are great at what they do and they're very driven um but having done both having set up a business on my own before and having set up a business now with co-founders I I always choose the the latter um I mean yeah it brings its challenges I mean sometimes you know you go into business with someone not you know and you're you're aligned on what the business should be about, but you're not necessarily aligned in terms of your personalities or um, work ethic. Work whatever, ethic, yeah. absolutely, mm-hmm. and that can cause cause mm-hmm. issues. And I've seen that with other other people's businesses. Mm-hmm. So there's always more of a risk yeah. if you start a business with somebody else. Mm-hmm. But I think the rewards yeah. are are potentially more in the longer run as well. Yeah. No, definitely. So what's um so what's the future for for Wonky? What are you what are you planning this? Gosh, year? well, it's a real. Now is a real transition time, I think, for us. You know, like many businesses, we had a bit of a bumpy time during um, during COVID, um, not just in commercial terms, but I think we were all a bit distracted, um, you know, and had to look at our priorities when it came to life and work. Um, but we've all come back, regrouped and realised that we've got a great business with huge potential and it, we're still excited about being part of it. Um, so that's good that we've uh, we've realised that, and I think joining this new impact accelerator is going to give us a real kick up the proverbial and <laughs> help us to do a lot of things that you know we've we've had on the the back shelf for a while, including new products. So yeah, exciting. Um, yeah, Laura's busy looking at some um, some new products that we're we're hoping to launch, um, and you know just hoping to roll out into more stores. We're having lots of interesting conversations with some potential partners to perhaps do some co-branding um, and some promotional opportunities as well. Um, and yeah, I think I'm, I'm I'm really excited. I mean, I do, despite the hard work and that 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 knowledge that you're never quite finished. You know, so last night, eleven o'clock, I was shattered. I really wanted to go to bed, but I couldn't because I knew that there were some emails I had to write. And you know, you never you can never switch off is what I'm trying to say. But um the flip side of that is that, you know, you get to pinch yourself and say, I've created this. You know, I, I love the fact that, you know, we went from you know, what was what could have been seen as a silly idea sitting in that bar in Barcelona many years ago <laughs> um, and then actually getting something to the shop shelf. You know, that's that's always been an ambition that's of mine amazing. to see something on the shelf and, mm. um, and see people go up and buy it and then say lovely things about yeah. the product. Um, well, it's a real inspiration and just the fact that, you know, you have sustainability is was at the core and, you know, at the root of, of the idea in the first place is just it's just fantastic. Um, I think Wonky is amazing. So, oh, thank you, Rosie. So if people want to uh, find Wonky, where's, where's the best place? Well, go to our website, first of all, or um, that's having a revamp as well. But you can buy, we have our own online shops. So you can buy direct from us at uh, wonkyfoodco.com. Um, but uh, you'll also find there a list of the retailers. So we're selling across Oxfordshire and a lot of the mid-counties co-ops as part of their local um, best of our counties range, supporting local growers and producers and manufacturers. Um, 
and also a lot of lovely independent shops <laughs> as well all around Oxfordshire. And, you know, the indies really are kind of the backbone of our business as well. Um, and, you know, we're starting to spread our wings outside of Oxfordshire when it comes to um, those fabulous independents. So we're in lots of delis and farm stores and artisan food shops as well. So um, hope to be in, in many more. Oh, brilliant. Well, good luck with the accelerator. That sounds really exciting. And good luck for the rest of the year. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Rosie. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to the Infinite Oxford podcast, sponsored by Story94. You can find out more about our community at independentoxford.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate, review and subscribe to help more people hear indie stories from across Oxfordshire. Bye for now.